All right, so we're going to start this morning. Um, <laughs> thank you all for coming earlier. Um, we are going to try to get started at 9 o'clock um, and by like 10 after 10. So we're having projector problems this morning. Might just shut off for no reason. So trying to get another one, but while it's working, right. <laughs> While it's working, angels, yeah. <laughs> why don't we um, open with prayer? Father, we thank you for this day that we have. Um, thank you for just the opportunity that we have to come and talk about your creation and just um, this amazing spiritual realm with these. Um, we can't even see that are created completely for your glory. I pray that you would use this to amaze us um, with just your your glory and your creativity, Father, um, that you would become the object of our longing think about heaven. Lord, we also pray for Fran this morning as she's dealing with asthma, Lord. We pray um, just comfort her, um, give the peering for her wisdom, um, deal with this, and if it's your will, we pray that you would take it from that she could be with us again soon. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. So... Yeah, it's it's working. Um, oh, this is at the beginning of the. Yeah. So, um, I know it's been a little while since we've had the the missions conference, but what we've been talking about um, recently is the spiritual realm. We finished up um, looking at the end times and what's building up to heaven. So now we're talking about the spiritual realm. We've looked at um, the different spiritual places. We talked about hell most recently. Um, and so now we're going to begin talking about spiritual beings um, and just implications of their existence and just what, what that means for heaven and our understanding of this spiritual realm that we don't see. Um, that's looking beyond what we can see. So, um, speaking about the nature and attributes of angels, um, primarily it's important to understand that they're spirit beings or spiritual beings. We are, we have as humans a spiritual aspect, our soul, and we also have a physical aspect, which is our body, the fact that we can touch things. Angels, um, in their primary form are spirit beings. They, there's no physicality to them. Um, when we go forward, we'll see that they can manifest themselves in a physical form. They can appear to humans, so that, um, but primarily they're spiritual beings. Um, and they're spirits without fleshly bodies. Hebrews um, 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are in, to inherit salvation? So, speaking of angels, they're, they're spirits. They're not, we're never described as spirits. We're always, they're different. They're, they're spirit like God is spirit. He's, he's described as spirit. And so, in that same way, they don't, they don't have flesh bodies. Um, so, going on from that, 
um, is Mark, what we'll see in Mark 12, 25. Can somebody read that? So, from this, we, we learn that the angels, the way they live, not just the way that they are in their being, but the way they live is different than us. They don't marry. Um, in Matthew 22, 30, it says, For in the resurrection they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. It's the same verse talking in the same story in a different book. Um, so, they, they don't marry, um, they don't procreate, they're not, they're not like us. And so, um, then in Luke 20, and verse 36, it says, For they cannot die any more, because they are equal to the angels, and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. And so, Jesus is talking about people who are in heaven, who are in the kingdom of heaven. And he says, they cannot die anymore. Obviously, we can die now. When we're in heaven, we won't be able to die because we'll be like the angels. And the implication of that is that angels can't die. So, just um, as part of our framework for understanding angels, we're just laying out attributes about them. um, That they're not physical. um, They don't marry. They can't die. They don't procreate. um, And this is what we were talking about earlier. Um, In Genesis 18, verse 3. So, um, starting in in 18.2, it says, He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of them, in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Um, and so this is Abraham and he sees this appearance of angels and apparently one of them he refers to as the Lord. He's with other beings who are angels. And so they, they can, even though they're spiritual beings, they don't primarily have bodies. They can reveal themselves to mankind in a human form as they're men. So Abraham, though, recognizes that they're not, uh, they're not just regular men. So, um, we can, we yeah. Um, so in Galatians, and this kind of goes along with this first one, they can reveal themselves to man in human bodies. Um, in Galatians 1.8, it says... But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Um, the implication there is that angels can speak to men. Right, it does. And so, that's, in a couple weeks probably, we'll, we'll call in angels. Um, right now we're talking, and this is, these, with, with the nature and attributes of angels, um, most of this stuff applies to both um, fallen angels and holy angels. Um, so they can speak to men, and you're right, you do have this kind of duality that there could be an angel who wouldn't want the best for humans. Right, exactly. And even that if they would teach something other than what God wants the believers to know, just that implies that they're evil. Religions of the world are 
Peter says it, you know, Second Peter. Well, it's broadly called a theophany, which is God appearing in human form. And a lot of people think that it is Christ because Christ is God who's manifested in the flesh. So that right, so that any time in the Old Testament where there's the somebody sees like an angel and understands them as the Lord, or a lot of times it'll say the angel of the Lord, and that the angel of the Lord a lot of people say is Christ, and who is God appearing to man. And, right. yeah. and the whole idea with the Father is that he is so transcendent of human and of creation, and sin has broken that gap between us and that, as that person of God so much that Christ is really the bridge of that gap between God and us, and so even before the incarnation, he's still filling that role. He's bringing revelation. He's going to the armies of Israel all throughout history, working with his people. Right. That's, yeah. and that's an interesting question. It's right. Yeah. Right. So even then, it was probably Christ. And right. During this, and they said, yes, they did. Well, what do you right. think we were reading? And right. That's the physical representation of God is always Christ. So I, I think this, the Galatians 1 8 passage, is a good um, kind of springboard for a framework of understanding these other world religions because people typically don't just make things up for no reason and then a bunch of people to follow them. Um, I mean, it happens sometimes, but there, there is good basis to believe that um, these things are demonically inspired. And what, I mean, you look at a lot of the major world religions, and there are huge differences between them and Christianity, but where those differences begin are just little tiny things. They're, they're little switches that, if you're not paying attention, could appear to me. An angel's telling me this. Um, lost it again. <laughs> and so those are just little things that turn into something much bigger. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's, that is why it's so easy to do, because it's not usually a radically different thing or doesn't start that way. And even like spirit worship and things like that in tribal cultures. They're not just doing that for no reason. Like they really do see spirits. Like so understanding that physical I mean that's why Paul's warning the Galatians because that can and does happen. Um angels protect humanity. I I don't know if we each individually have our own personal guardian angel, but there is, there is the idea that angels are <laughs> primarily working to serve men right now. Man, um, I right. Yeah. But right. And that's. I mean, obviously, you're not crazy. Like, it's not like you're well, just no. making things well, up. One of my best friends, you know, because mm -hmm. he's like, yeah. no, not that those were the people. <laughs> cut out three. Yeah. If it does it again. We'll so. Even though their spirit, even though their their lives look much different than ours, they don't marry, they don't have children, they still can manifest themselves in um, a very physical form and influence people. And they do all the time, as 
um, we've kind of been talking about. Um, in Matthew 28, this is, can somebody read um, 3 through 4? So, a, a lot of time, well, every time when people describe angels, they use metaphors because there's no real way to describe them. It says, you know, his appearance was like lightning. And does that mean that he actually was lightning, this angel? No, probably means he's bright and startling and just amazing. Um, our, our notes here say they're dazzling and brilliant in glory. And, I mean, his, his clothes are white as snow. And he's not actually wearing snow. Ways that people used to describe angels because really there's no human scribe, the kind of glory that people um, experience when they see angels. So, I mean, you even see the guards' appearance. I mean, these are like the toughest people around, supposedly. These are prison guards, and they, I mean, they just fall down, and so they became like dead men, like they're not even moving. So, that that's how startling and amazing it is to them. And, right, like Moses in Exodus. So they're a uh, they're, they are so startling to these people because they're reflecting God's glory. And a lot of times when we see angels in the Testament and Old Testament are worshiping them as God, and it's not just because they're really cool. They do reflect God's glory. And so that's apparent to... to <laughs> um, um, so in Luke 15, verse 10, it says, Just so... I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, they they display intense emotion, um, and this this kind of drives all that they do. I mean, the the angels serve God, and it's not just like, oh man, I gotta go give this message to David now. Hope he does something about it. They are driven by the fact that they love God and desire to serve him. And so they do everything as as fast as they can, as well as they can, because they intensely, emotionally feel that connection to God. And I think for us, like a lot of times, that is a major difference, is that we oftentimes don't feel that intense emotion. I mean, if we did, we would probably be doing things the way the angels do them, um, with just that fervor that they have, that intense desire to God's will and do whatever because they are. And even even the fallen angels are driven by that emotion, too. It's just negative emotion. They hate God. They want to destroy everything he's working for. So in the same way that the holy angels are working to build God's kingdom, Fallen angels are working to destroy it and to bring it down. Right. right. And that's, or at least would acknowledge that he exists. Right. Yeah, and that, that is, the spiritual realm does have that benefit of being able to see God. And that's, that's part of the reason that we are disconnected from it sometimes, is because we don't see it. We, we experience it um, at certain times, but it's not very tangible, constant reality for us like it is for the angels. So, because that is, it affects their emotions. And I'm sure we can all um, talk about times when we have really experienced the power of God and just knew 
that he really does exist and felt it with all of our emotions. Um, and the, the way that we wanted to live and to, to do things, just that intense desire to fulfill God's will, is what the angels are like all the time. And it's what fallen angels, it's the opposite of what fallen angels are like all the time. And if the reason is that they can see God, um, then the implication is that in heaven, that'll be what we're like all the time. So, and we'll also be dazzling and brilliant in glory because we see God and so reflect his glory. So there's a lot of overlap for what our resurrection and our resurrection bodies will be like um, through looking at angels. Um, and one of, one of the most important aspects about them is that they are created beings. Um, it's why the angels, to John, I mean, tell him, no, get up, don't, don't worship, why are you? He's not God, he's a created being. Um, so in Psalm 148, it's 2 through 5, can somebody read that? Yeah, and this is such a cool passage where um, just all of creation is commanded to praise um, God. And this is the primary, um, the primary purpose of angels, is that they're created by God to glorify God with the rest of the creation. Um, but it's like, it's the same way everything else on earth was created. God speaks, and it, it says, for he commanded, and they were created. So, they, they came about, they were created by God through his word. Um, and so, in that aspect, they're just like us. They are created beings. Um, they're different than us, but they're created nonetheless. Um, Job 38, 6-7 says, on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together for all the sons of God, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So, this is God talking to Job about creation. Um, where were you when its cornerstone was laid, the earth? Where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when the morning stars were singing my glory? Um, so this is that the angels who are the morning stars are praising God after their creation and throughout the creation of the earth. And then even when we look at revelation, they're still praising God. And so they're, these angels, their purpose is to glorify God continually. And even when they're delivering messages to people. Gabriel's announcing the birth of Christ and the coming of Christ. It's all worship to God. So, I mean, we can use that as a model for what we do as well, um, along with their emotion, is that even the things we do that aren't sitting in the throne room, praising God or singing songs in church, is still, still can be worship, because a lot of times these angels aren't in the presence of God singing his praises, they are things delivering messages, fighting, combating, you know, in the spiritual warfare. And that is still an act of worship to God. And so for us, I mean, for me, it's going to school and doing well is an act of worship. Um, 
It's going to my job and doing well at my job. It's an act of worship. It's teaching or mentoring students. Is It's all acts of worship. And the, the idea is that worship is so much bigger than just singing together. That's a huge, important part of it, but it's way bigger than that. So these angels, they do sing to God after their creation. That's a, a huge part of their role. There are angels who are constantly in heaven, constantly verbally, but they never cease to praise God, even though they sing. There's this idea of thick of the spheres, and I don't know where it comes from, but it's the, the idea that the planets are singing to God. And actually... The, the planets do vibrate. Like, my roommate was online looking for this, and he found, like, scientists use, like, a big dish to, like, listen to planets. And, like, so we listened to Jupiter, like, a recording of Jupiter, like, which really sound like anything to me. But it's, I mean, it's really cool that all the planets really do, they vibrate and they make sound, and it's all worship to God. Right. He says... And on, I think... A, a really cool thing is unpacking how they how they worship him and praise him. Obviously, not verbal in the same way that we do. They they literally worship him by their existence, by doing what they were created to. The sun and the moon and the stars, all of these things. They're they're beautiful galaxies that we don't even see. Um, I we went to Australia a couple of years ago, um, and we went snorkeling. And one of the biggest things I, I remember is just looking and seeing all these beautiful fish that for most of creation, people haven't even had the capability to see. And just looking at that and thinking, this stuff isn't for us to see and look at. Wow, that's beautiful. It's all, all of creation is built to raise God. And these brightly colored fish that no one would ever see for thousands of years are created to praise God sun and the moon and stars, all of creation praises God. The angels passionately praise and glorify God. And in heaven, that, I mean, this is one of the points of our class, is that heaven, the point of us going to heaven, glorify and praise God passionately, like the angels. Not just to ever have backaches again, or ever catch cold, or die, or never experience loss, or anything. Praise God fully, and absolutely everything, the same way that creation does, in the same way. So, that's that's a huge implication for looking at these angels, is that we're going to worship the same way they do in heaven. So they, they sing. Um, and then what, what Hebrew does in poetry, when they write poetry, it's different than we do. They're not, there's some rhyming, but the, the main goal is to communicate ideas. It's almost like they're rhyming ideas, and they're saying it again for emphasis. And so, like, almost everything in Hebrew poetry is in these little couplets, and it's called parallelism, where it'll say it once in one line, and then it'll say it again a different way in the next line. And so, here, for example, um, it says, The morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So, that's, that's the parallelism right there. Or... I mean, who determined its measurements, who stretched its, who stretched the line upon it from the verse above? It's just saying the same thing over and over. They're concerned with creating ideas more than simply... It, it is, and it's, it's interesting to try to think about when angels were created, too, um, for people who think that it's recorded in the Genesis narrative. A lot of times 
they they put it with the creation of the stars because angels and stars are so closely connected in throughout the scriptures the the bright morning star the, right here the the stars of the morning yeah it is an an interesting and fairly common and Probably a lot of it has to do with, like we saw before, their brilliant and dazzling glory when people see the star, like, looking at lightning. It's amazing because they're reflecting God's glory. Um, but so, in Colossians 1.16, this is just kind of what we've been talking about all along. Um, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. This idea that angels and everything else is created for God, their primary purpose of their creation is to give praise to God. And so, I mean, there's this, I mean, that's, that's our purpose as well. Um, there's this document called the Westminster Catechism. Catechism's basically just a way to teach people Christianity. Catholics use it, Presbyterians use it, catechisms, this form, and it's question and answer. So the first question in the Westminster Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? The answer is to give glory to God, because everything that God creates, its purpose is to glory. So the angels aren't exempt from that. Um, so continuing talking about their nature, um, they're created simultaneously and are innumerable. So, kind of unpacking that, staying in Colossians 1.16. Um, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him. And so, we learned that the angels were created for him, at, at one time, by him. Um, then from this, from in Matthew 22, to read that, verse 30. Right, so this is the verse that we've looked at before. Um, if they're created at one time, and they don't marry, or they're not given in marriage, they don't procreate, that means that there's still the same number of them today that there is, that there was then. Um, and then, uh, you know, a point later that we've, that we've already looked at is that they don't die. So if there aren't any more being made and none are dying, the, the, really, really the, the implication is that there's a constant number of them. Um, so, this, this number is 12. Hebrews 12.22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering. So, there's this idea, there's myriads and myriads, or countless thousands, that's what that phrase means in the Bible. Um, and so this is also in Revelation 5, 11. Does somebody want to read this? Because even though it's saying the same things, these are all really cool pictures of what heaven looks like in the angels. Thank you. So that's emphasizing the passage that there's myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands of them. They don't, nobody even tries to give them a number it's not of them. <laughs> these are these are these living creatures, which is when we talk about angels and spiritual beings, we're going to talk about holy angels, which we're doing right now, fallen angels, and then living creatures. And these are these living creatures are what are being surrounded. So 
probably in three or four weeks we'll be talking about that. So, no, it the the beast. It's not the beast. It's beasts. It's it's better translated living creatures to, um, just because of the implications of the word. But yeah, it's like animals, kind of. Um, and in Daniel seven, this takes me forever to find. Um, Daniel seven ten says a stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. And the court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. And these these aren't exact figures. Um, in, in the Old Testament, when figures like these are given, they're not trying to list like we would do if we wanted to list something with just the way we work. We'd say, you know, there's... 2,483,751 angels in heaven. They're, they're not trying to do that. They're, when they say 10,000 times 10,000, it's like we say, oh, there's like a million people over there. That's, that's what they're doing. It's that expression. Only there really is like a million or more. And what they're saying is up in the top that they're innumerable sand. So that's, that's what this myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands is. And it's I mean, it's just amazing to see. I'm, you've got the parallelism here again. A thousand thousand served him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. Just one of them. <laughs> and it's, it's almost like the writer is completely overwhelmed and doesn't know what else to write except uh, So this is how they do it. Um, so um, what we learn is that they have a higher order than man today. Um, since we've been looking at should be fairly obvious, but in Hebrews 2.9, someone want to read that verse for me? So Jesus, in becoming um, a human being in this state that we are, um, Jesus obviously wasn't sinful, he didn't sin, but he was, he did feel the effects of sin. I mean, he got old, he probably got cut, he got sick. I mean, he feels he, he was truly human and part of being truly human feel the effects of sin. And so Jesus, even because of this, it says he's made for a little while lower than the angels. <laughs> Which is just an astounding thing because because he has no sin, he's still higher than us. But the fact that he, God, who created these beings, who's manifested with them, he walks with them, he comes with them to Abraham, becomes positionally lower than them for a little while, so that they have somehow, whatever this means, they have more glory or a higher position than those who made them, is just amazing, try to get your head around that one, but that's, that's what it is, and so if they're, if they're positionally higher than Jesus is, they are higher than us. So, right. That's that's the next major point, resurrected state. But right now, they're higher than us. Yeah. Right, which is the next point is that they don't die. So it's good we're, we're tracking along together. So, yeah, angels don't die. Um, and also, they have, they have greater wisdom than man. 
Um, I want to go to Second Samuel, Second Samuel fourteen twenty, and somebody read that one for me. Thank you. And so, angels have greater wisdom um, than men, which is what we learn from this poem. I mean, any time an angel delivers prophecy, they obviously know something that people don't, otherwise they wouldn't be delivering the message, is the idea. But we, we learn, or we see that it's limited, um, and this is in Matthew 24, um, 36, which is a really well-known passage. Um, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Um, and so, angels um, don't, don't have complete knowledge of what's going to happen. And interestingly, um, neither does Jesus from this passage. I, I think it's kind of funny, I don't know if you guys have the footnotes after the Son, but my, my footnote says, some manuscripts omit nor the Son. So, like I can just see a scribe copying it and saying, mm, that doesn't look right, I'm going to leave out those words and just go to angels. But, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what's in there, is that not the angels of heaven nor the sun, um, they, they don't have complete knowledge like the Father does. And so they are, they are a higher order than man today because um, they reflect the glory of God in a manifest way, um, they don't die, and they have greater wisdom. Um, right, that's, I mean, the, the idea is that only the Father knows, and we see that in, in Revelation, when it's declared the Father's the one who does declaration, when it's time for all of this to begin to They have separate understandings, because the idea is that they're three people, they're three persons, um, like, we're different persons. Um, but they're one in essence. They're all the same God. So it's like these when when people got together in these councils to try to talk about these things, um, their goal is not to give us words so that we can be like, oh yeah, I got it now. I I understand it. Got the handle on the Trinity. All, all they're doing is giving you words to use to talk about it so that you're not a heretic. So this is, this is what is presented in Scripture, that they're three distinct persons but one God essence. And so, I mean, here it does appear that they have different... Right. So, um, uh, do you think we should go... Okay. Um, so, continuing... Um, they have a higher order than man today. Um, they have greater power than man. Um, and these verses, like example, I'll just go to one of them really fast. and says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So this angel comes down, causes an earthquake, and moves a gigantic stone. I mean, I've never done anything like that. I don't know if you guys have, but this is just one example. Um, the angels go before the armies of Israel, destroy, and they, they do um, works, and they have tremendous power, um, which is more than us. But I want to go to Daniel 10. This is a kind of really interesting passage. Um, 10 and 
13, and I'm going to start to, I'm going to start at 12. Um, this is an angel bringing a vision, or bringing a message to Daniel. It says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So, the idea is that there's this angel coming to deliver a message to Daniel, the prince of Persia, who's probably the the demon who's in control of all of Persia. They have some kind of hierarchy, just like the angels do. Right. So, he stops this angel, um, and Michael has to come and help. And so they, together they overpower the Prince of Persia. Um, so even though they have great power, it's still limited, just like their knowledge. And so when we start next week, we'll, we'll begin by looking at a one day men will become greater than the angels. Um, and we'll go back through this a little, mind everyone. But could I have someone close us in prayer as we... Yeah. <laughs>